this morning, you have your scripture sheet, and it's your scripture sheet in two places. Your scripture sheet is in your bulletin from the responsive readings that we had from Psalm 103 and Psalm 104. Then your scripture reading is also on your scripture sheet. As we said at the beginning in the announcements that were made before the service, this is our special Thanksgiving Day service. The Old Testament was full of feasts that God appointed this time of year for Israel. Feast of booths, uh, feast of the harvest. And uh, the you know, we have in a Christian calendar, we have Easter, we have the uh, incarnation in December, we have Easter, we have the ascension, the day of Pentecost, and Thanksgiving ought to be on that calendar. Uh, this is something that if you read through Scripture, you see that God emphasized over and over and over again. Today is very, 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 uh, I can't tell you how much it means to me, uh, this worship this morning and this message. Uh, if you're in elementary age and some of those have just left, or high school, or college, I hope that you'll pray particular attention this morning instead of just sitting there and saying, I wonder how long John's going to preach this morning. Uh, I wish, in fact, one of the greatest desires I have is that something that I missed I wish someone had told me this when I was in the third or fourth grade, when I was in junior high school. I wish someone had told me this when I was in high school or college. It would have made an immense difference in my early years. Let's pray together. Our Father, this morning we bow before you as priests. We've been prophets this week in taking your word out into the world around us. Everywhere we've been, even when we've not been aware, we've been salt and light to the world around us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Christ in our lives, through what we said, through what we did, the way we walked, the way we talked. But now in your house we bow before you not as prophets, but as priests. And we're bringing before you others, our neighbors, our friends, families, sons and daughters, husbands and wives, our mothers and fathers. Father, we're a congregation of priests this morning praying and thanksgiving for how you've blessed Joe Anderson. It seems impossible, Father. And apart from you, it would be impossible. We thank you for what you're doing in his life and the health that you've given him. We pray for Billy Griggs and Jim Bennington. We pray that you would give them physical strength, but more importantly, we pray that you would give them a spiritual vitality that looks forward with hope. We pray for Charles Yancey and Frida. We pray that you would speak to Frida as only you can. We pray that you would encourage. I know this is hard for Charles. and We pray that you would encourage him. 
We pray for Melissa Hay that, that Father, this surgery on her eyes will be effective and bring results that are needed. We pray for John Cruz that you would bring healing. We thank you for the good news that we received from the surgery. And we pray that, Father, any sign of cancer that's still left would just be completely destroyed. We pray in thanksgiving for what you've done with Rick Abernathy's father. We pray that their family would treasure these days with him. We pray thank you for the strength that you have given him. And now we bow before you. For John Sartell cannot teach so that it will make any difference in our lives. But we've heard your voice in this room in the past. We've heard your voice in our hearts. We know that voice. And that voice can speak so that our hearts are changed, so that we continue to grow in Christ. We pray that some this morning, Father, on this special day might hear your voice for the first time. But we know that won't be because of John Sartell. Oh, Father, we are helpless to hear and receive your word apart from your power, apart from your voice. And so we bow, happily bow before you in thanksgiving. And we ask that in these next few minutes that we would hear your voice in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The sight, sound, smell, taste, and feel of grace. Our text is from Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's not what it says. You see, it ends with an exclamation point. Exclamation comes from the word exclaim. Exclaim means to suddenly cry out with emotion, to declare a truth with excitement. Oh, no, this is what it says. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what it says. How do you taste of the Lord? Taste is one of the five senses. You know them. There is sight, hearing, the sense of smell, the sense of taste, the sense of feel. Why did God give us our five senses? You say, well, so we could operate in this world. Oh, that's a lesser reason. Do you remember the first time you saw the ocean? Do you remember the first time you stood on a mountaintop and looked at the valleys spread out before you? Some sights cannot be forgotten. What if God made such beauty and had not given us eyes to see that beauty? What if we were blind to it all? Don Williams is my favorite country singer. He has been for 25 or 30 years. 
He died on my birthday, September the 8th, a year and a few months ago in 2018. In one of his songs, he reminisces. In fact, it's my favorite. He reminisces about hearing the southern breeze through the live oak trees. I've heard that sound. I know what he's saying. One day I was grouse hunting in the mountains in Virginia. I was in the deep woods, miles away from any roads. Snow was eight or so inches deep and continuing to fall. I was alone except I had my dog Peaches, my Brittany. We stopped and I sat on a log. It was so quiet, I can remember to this day vividly everything about that scene. It was so quiet, you could hear the quietness. I could actually hear a little sleep and snowflakes hitting my jacket. I had a lot better hearing then. Then there's the symphonic music. Of the rain and lightning and thunder and wind. They're an orchestra. Directed by their composer. Then there's the quieter music. The songbirds in early spring. Or the peaceful and repetitious music. Of the waves on the shore. What if God had made all of those sounds but not given us ears to hear those sounds. I'm always looking for that perfect evergreen or bayberry candle to use in the winter, to use at Christmas. Last year I found the best scented candle I've ever had. The aroma was perfect. What do you do when you're given a rose? What do you do? The first thing you do automatically is you lift it to your nose to smell. There's no other aroma like that. Even in the whole world of flowers. What if God made all of those sweet fragrances and had not given us the sense of smell to enjoy the aroma. Then there's taste. Taste that is as wide in variance as the east is from the west. From the taste of strawberries and cream to that wonderful, satisfying taste of turnip greens. From the taste of chocolate milk to the taste of limeade. From the delicate taste of Dunganess crab to the taste of lamb roasted over charcoal. From the sweet taste of watermelon to the pungent taste of an onion. What if God had provided all those wonderfully different foods and drinks and not given us taste buds? What if you couldn't taste it? Then there's a sense of feel. We, turn, we learn the difference early between the feel of wool and the feel of cotton. There's a sensitive 
there's a sensitive feel of a kiss given and a kiss received. You remember holding, feeling, touching your first child in your arms. The poet of the Psalms saw, heard, smelled, tasted, and touched. You know what he said? Now you're going to you're going to think, he said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he did that. But you know what else he said? The whole earth is full, running over with his goodness. The whole earth is full of his goodness. The psalmist sees, hears, tastes, smells, and feels God's creation and cannot remain silent. We read it this morning. It's all through the psalms. In Psalm 104, we read with Marjorie, he makes the grass grow for the cattle. Do you understand? He looks across. You've seen it this week all through Fayette County. Here are the cattle out here in the field. They're just grazing. He looks at this and he says, he makes grass grow for the cattle. You see, fields, soybeans, cotton, Corn. He says, he makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate. What does he say? He looks at these scenes that we say every day and he says, the whole earth is full of God's goodness. He goes on, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. what God intended. He not only gave us the world that has all of this beauty and all of this wonder, but he he gave us eyes, ears, taste buds, and nose and a sense of feel to enjoy, to find great pleasure in that world. And that world always points us to God. In Psalm 19 on your scripture sheet, the heavens, you look at the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. God's creation speaks to us constantly, all day, every day, all night, every night. Through our five senses. God speaks to us in his creation as we see with our eyes, hear with our ears, smell with our nose, taste with our tongue, and feel with our nerve sensitivity. God is speaking to us. That's what this says. Now, the unbelieving world, they only get half the message. They say, the world says, The whole earth is full of goodness. They don't say his goodness. They don't say God's goodness. The whole earth is full of goodness. The world gets as far as the sight itself, the sound itself, the smell itself, the taste itself, the feel itself. And they stop right there. And they say, how wonderful. I love this. 
It's for me. Bless me. Lucky me that I have all this. And the world gorges itself on the sight, sound, smell, taste, and feel. They actually take this beauty and they make that beauty God. They make gods out of idols, out of what God has made. Look at Romans 1.25. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. Who worship and serve created things rather than the creator. They live for the sight, sound, smell, taste, and feel, and that's all. They've only got half the message. Helen Keller was blind and deaf. I thought a lot about that this week. How blessed I am just to be able to see and hear. She lacked the sense of sight, the sense of hearing. However, in her dark and soundless world, she could still smell, taste, and feel. Before the arrival of her great teacher, Ann Sullivan, she spoke about Christmas at her house. Listen to what she said. Making ready for Christmas was always a delight to me. Of course, I did not know what it was all about, but I enjoyed the pleasant odors that filled the house and the tidbits that were given to Martha Washington to given to Washington. Martha Washington and me to keep us quiet. They allowed us to grind the spices and pick over the raisins and lick the spoons. The opening sentence of that paragraph is what grabbed me. The making ready for Christmas was always a delight for me. Of course, I did not know what it was all about. That's a picture of the world. She enjoyed it all. She filled her senses, but she had no idea for the reason, for the purpose the foundation of it behind this, this wonderful holiday. That's very much like the world and its reaction to the wonders of creation. The world enjoys the sights and the sounds and fragrances and taste and touch of creation, but they don't know what it's all about. And that's so sad, really sad. But you know what's sadder? I must say that at least the world enjoys the creation, even if it's in a selfish satisfaction of its appetites. Sadly, sadly, there are Christians who say they know God and say they know the creator, even say they know Christ. They even say they look forward to heaven. I don't know how they're going to enjoy it, but they say that. But they constantly resist reveling in the sights, sounds, smells, tastes, and feels of his creation here. The world gets half a message. The whole earth is full of goodness, not his goodness, not God's goodness. Then there are the sad Christians who get the half that says there's a God. They even say he gave his son to die for us, and they seem eager for heaven. And again, I don't know what they're going to do when they get there. But they've never uttered the words, except on a Sunday morning when they didn't know what they were saying. They've never uttered the words, the whole earth is full of his goodness. So I often feel alone. I'm with a group of pagan friends who are selfishly feeding their senses. And they've missed the greater knowledge of God who gave them their bounty, then I feel just as alone in a group of Christians who trud through the Christian life as if the wonders of this creation never existed. 
And they keep saying, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven because of all the beauty and wonder of what everything I've experienced here. But I wonder at the sad sack Christians. Read the Psalms. David lived his entire life. He knew sorrow. He knew pain. He knew rejection. And he never stopped. Thanking God. For all of the good in this creation. And he reveled in it. And he celebrated You see, when we see the ocean, that sight was designed for our pleasure and to point us to God. When we hear the southern breeze blowing through the live oak trees or the music of the songbird, those sounds were designed for our pleasure and to point us to God. Didn't we smell the rose, the scent of that fragrance designed for our pleasure and to point us to God? When we taste the strawberry and cream, that taste was designed to give us pleasure and to point us to God. When we run our fingers over the faces of our small children, it was designed for our pleasure and to point us to God. People, that is the message of creation. The Christian, Christ Presbyterian Church, you, me, if we know him, we ought to be shouting. Our lives should shout to the whole world day after day, week after week, just as creation shouts. It says there's no place on the planet that his message is not speaking through creation. Just so in every aspect of our lives, whether it is in the midst of a storm or whether it's in the midst of the greatest blessing we've ever received, it doesn't matter. We can still cry, the whole earth is full of his goodness. What does the world, what did the world hear us say this week? What did our children hear us say this week? What did our husbands and wives hear us say this week? What did our parents hear us say this week? But the same psalmist also wrote this. The whole earth is full of your mercy. The whole earth is full of your grace. He was saying there's an additional message of creation. When you see the ocean, designed for your pleasure, designed to point you to God. When you when you hear the sound and see the side of the ocean, hear the sound of the waves, you're hearing grace. You're hearing mercy. What is grace? What is mercy? Is something you received that you didn't deserve. You deserve something bad, and God gave you something. When you smell the sweet fragrance of a rose, you smell God's mercy. When you hold the face of the person you love, 
you feel God's mercy. Do you see, the world walks through this incredible beauty of this world. And he says, I deserve all this. In fact, when there's a storm, when there's hurt, when there's pain, the world says, I don't deserve this. And they walk through the world, through all the beauty, through all the wonder. Yeah, yeah. Look at what I've done. This is, you know, this, I, des I deserve this. And he indicts God if there's a cloud or storm. The Christian walks through this incredible beauty. And he weeps twice. He weeps because of the incredible beauty God has given to enjoy. And he weeps because it's all of grace. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve a scrap from the table. He knows the sin in his own heart. He knows the darkness. So folks, this week of Thanksgiving, this week of family and feasting, see, hear, smell, taste, and feel and enjoy it. Don't feel guilty. Don't apologize. Revel in what God has given. And if it doesn't cause you to just laugh in praise of God, to love God, to praise Him, then something's wrong. Pray and ask. Give me eyes to see, Lord. Give me ears to hear. Help my sense of smell, my hearing, my tasting, my feeling until I'm drawn to you. You're the giver of it all. You know, sometimes at Christmas, your husband or wife, your mother and dad, your children give you a gift that just blows you away. Just blows you away. And you can't help but to hug them and to love them. That's what that gift does. Well, that's what these gifts should do to us. Not only that, See, hear, smell, taste, and feel, and know that you are seeing and smelling and tasting and feeling and hearing His grace. If you're not humbled to tears at how low you are and how gracious God is, then ask God to show you your sins. Go alone. Get off by yourself. Ask him to show the darkness of your heart until the greatest wonder is that God has allowed you to breathe another breath. I'm at the end of this message. Talking about the, all that God's given us. What's the greatest gift? What's the greatest grace? 
sometime this week, maybe at the end of a meal when you have seen, heard, smelled, tasted, and felt. Read two verses with your family. Children, young people, ask your father and mother to read these verses. Go get the Bible and read them yourself for your family. Two verses. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave them the oceans. God so loved the world that he gave them children. That he gave them parents. God so loved the world that he gave them food and roses and the Rocky Mountains. God so loved the world that he gave them kisses and that intimate physical relationship. All those are wonders, wonderful things. God so loved the world that he gave us his son. All the gifts that God's given you. Nothing can touch Jesus. Second scripture, read Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us. How did God demonstrate his love for us? With the Rockies? With the Appalachians? With the Mississippi? Strawberries and cream? God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In all the world, I've never seen any sight as glorious as that cross. A father who would give his own son for me, for you, for sinners. He might give these sinners food to eat. He might give them the sight, the great sight of the ocean. But to give his son, to give his son. Parents, would you give your children for the riffraff of this world? You might when they're in junior high school. But I don't even think you would do it then. I've never known a taste that is so sweet as the broken bread and the wine of that table, the body and blood of Christ. I've never known any feeling more fulfilling than the presence of his Holy Spirit. Folks, the whole earth is full of the goodness of God. What is that that we see and hear and smell and taste and feel this day? It's a sight, sound, smell and taste and feel of God's grace. Our hymn continues our theme. Give to our God the immortal praise.